This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. Jen Malone is the music supervisor behind the hit TV shows Euphoria, Yellow Jackets, Atlanta, and more. KEXP's Larry Mizell Jr. is a big fan of those shows and a fan of Malone's work. He caught up with her recently to learn how it takes both a music lover and a sleuth to get songs placed on television. I'm curious, you know, music supervision not just being, hey, I think this Led Zeppelin song would be awesome right here or whatever. Tell me, if you would, if you would walk me through, like, clearing a a certain song. Music supervisors, we start basically at the script stage and during pre-production because, you know, there might be scenes that are shot on camera. So somebody singing a song or doing a dance to a certain song or even just singing in the shower or something. All of that needs to be cleared before you shoot it because you can't go back. So that's really when we start. And then, you know, when you get a song that's scripted in that the director wants, the first thing you have to do is do the research to find out uh, who owns the copyright, who are the writers of the song and the publishing and who owns the master. And then you do what's called a quote request. And sometimes that's not as easy as it sounds (laughs) at all, because copyrights change hands daily. And, you know, sometimes you can't find a person, especially with hip hop. And that kind of ties into like my research. And I'm really good at it. I think I have a second career in private investigation, which is really creepy, I know. But (laughs) so then you, you know, you have this quote request where it has all the information of the show, and then you have to put the scene synopsis, how long it's going to be, you know, the terms that you want it for. And then the fee negotiation. And each clearance is very different. You know, each one kind of has its own challenges. Some like Euphoria, for example, there's a lot of drug use, a lot of nudity, violence, like it has all the things, especially in that first scene uh, in uh, season two. And those first, you know, especially the first first scene where we had Don't Be Cruel. Don't be cruel. We got a lot of denials, Mm. quite honestly, because, you know, you're dealing with estates and catalog and it's it's just a different way of getting clearances. And it's really hard um, because the estates and the heirs, you know, are very um, cautious and aware of how they want their music to be used. So there's just a lot of nuances to it. And then as the cuts come together, you know, you're, you are offering music and ideas and you're getting scenes and then, you know, our brilliant editors will put uh, certain songs in that then you have to clear. And so it's a very, very intensive job. And I think it's a, a common misconception that I just sit around all day and put cool music into TV shows. Right. And that could not be further from the truth. You have to be extremely organized you have to just manage a budget because like you said, sure, Led Zeppelin would be dope, but they're the most, one of the hardest artists to clear. Um, and obviously they're expensive. So it could be the best song in the entire world, but if you can't clear it and you can't afford it, you can't use it. Right. So there's a, a lot, a lot more to it. It's not as sexy as people think. It's a hard, hard job, especially with a show like Euphoria that has 
37 songs in one episode <laughs> or something like that. I was like, there must have been 40 songs in that show, in that episode alone. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, wow, just contributed to one of the most intense watching experiences I've ever had just in that one episode. Amazing, amazing stuff. You know, it's funny you talk about like the research part and the hunting down, like it's kind of like that's the non-sexy part. And I, I get that because it's not, you know, choosing the cool song for for this killer moment, car chase or, or what have you. But uh, that part is super exciting to me. <laughs> the kind of sleuthing. I, I, I'm super into that. Um, I think a lot of people are, are into kind of finding out who, who are the component writers here, or at least a lot of people I know, I guess, who's involved here and the rights involved and the way that those must change hands. It's just hard to keep track of who, what conglomerate owns all this now or what guy that hasn't been heard of in 20 years owns it. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it, it's with hip hop is, is very difficult as you know, sometimes even more so because of samples mm -hmm. and you know, this, the sample that's in the song, you have to, you know, that's incorporated into the new composition like hold up from Beyonce samples the song. Guess there's no use in hanging around. Then, you know, sometimes splits aren't figured out or there are split disputes. It's a mess. And sometimes, you know, again, on, on a lot of songs, it's who owns this or, you know, there'll be 15, 20 writers on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy. Or again, you know, I had an editor in episode five, choose a song for euphoria that, you know, when we started digging in, it was from this record label that was only in existence from 67 to 69. Wow! And finding that ended up, you know, I figured out who the owner of the label was, and then, you know, finding his obituary, and then finding, you know, who his surviving heirs are, and then finding them. And sometimes it's, you know, whitepages.com, which is super creepy, but, you know, and then it's full on detective where you have a list of phone numbers and a list of possible people. And I'm just making these super strange calls like, hi, this is probably going to be the weirdest call you're ever going to get. But are you related to, you know, so and so? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And you have to find them. Wow, that's so cool. So I'm just curious about some of your your favorite uh, songs that you've gotten cleared that have been used really effectively. And uh, I want to ask you about a couple myself. There's one uh, that comes to mind. It was in the third episode of season one of Atlanta. Uh, you guys used the Shabazz Palace song. Oh, yeah. from seattle sub pop uh good friends of mine i was so and, and they've worked with hero before too so i was super super happy to to hear that and it was perfect for the scene how did that come about so that was hero okay that put that song in and really and it's just you know it was just perfect there was no question of like oh can we get alt or do we want to change it i mean that was it mm -hmm. And so then it was just a matter of, you know, dealing with the amazing people at Sub Pop who are just so psyched and, you know, it was easy and clean and just, uh, you know, that, that perfect moment. Mm -hmm. There was going to be no, no other song was going to be in that spot. I think of a moment from season one of Euphoria that made me 
is heartbreaking, but uh, absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite artists, Bobby Womack. There's this scene where Rue is in the car and she's singing Fly Me to the Moon. Curious how that how that went. That was scripted in from Sam. Okay. Sam just has the best music taste, such a vast knowledge of music. And, you know, he writes to music. So this was something that he had scripted in from the very beginning. So again, it was one of those moments where it was, okay, we got the script, started clearing it. When does this shoot? Making sure, you know, set had audio and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sam is just has such a strong musical vision of the show for the show, which you can definitely see yeah. and hear. Mm. I mean, it's full on a character. Any, any choices, processes of clearing a song journeys in that, that really stand out for you or super <laughs> adventurous or successful? Well, I do have one that's kind of one of the best clearance nightmare stories that ended up working out. Um, and it wasn't even for one of my projects. It was a friend of mine who's a music supervisor in Sweden. My husband is Swedish, so we have a big, you know, community there. And it was for the song Me and You by Cassie. One of the writers was this guy named Brian Leslie, who's actually a very prolific songwriter. So the story was, he was in, and we couldn't find him. None, none of the major publishers had this title, had this specific composition. And we were going all over the place. And again, we were the, the Twitter, going through Facebook, like anywhere and everywhere to try and find him. So I just started to, because my friend was just like, can you help? And I was like, sure, of course. So then I st started doing a little bit more digging. And the story is that he, Ryan was on tour in Germany and he lost his laptop. Oh. So he went on YouTube and said, uh, anybody that finds my laptop, uh, 20 grand. I remember this. Yep. Wow. Oh yeah. And then, uh, you know, with, with all the, the, you know, the assets, the files, you know, intact in the computer. Nobody found it. Then um, he went on YouTube and said a million dollars. And a German mechanic came forward and said, I found it. I want my money. And Ryan did not have that money. And so the German mechanic sued him in the States and won a million dollars plus, you know, extra legal fees or whatever. Wow. Now, Ryan didn't have that million dollars in cash. So they seized his assets. Oh, my God. And I'm reading this and then it clicked. I remember this was like at three in the morning because I just got up because it was, I, I don't know. And I just started going down the rabbit hole. So I was reading something because the New York Post, I think, had a field day with this whole thing. And I read that, you know, they, they seized his blinged out Mercedes. And then I was like, well, if they're taking his assets, one of them is going to be his publishing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I went and I found the lawyer who represented the German mechanic. And I called him and I was like, you know, this is what I read. This is my situation. 
do you guys indeed have the uh, authority to sign off on this quote request and, and license the song to us? And they did. Wow. So I ended up licensing the song through the German mechanics lawyer, who was actually very lovely to deal with. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy story of really going down that rabbit hole and just yeah. not stop. I was, it got to the point where I was like, I am going to figure this out. I don't care. And we were in a major time crunch because the, the movie was mixing and obviously you, you know, it had to be cleared. Yeah. So that was probably one of my, one of the strangest, weirdest clearances I've ever, I've ever had to deal with. And, you know, even though it wasn't for my project, I still feel very victorious that I got it. <laughs> you should. Wow. I'm amazed that a German mechanic ended up with the rights to a fantastic Cassie single. Always goes off in the club. Yep. <laughs> so now I'm like, I am going to sync this again because I know how. <laughs> I know right exactly on. who to go to. That was Sound and Vision. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you have the means, please consider giving a one-time $20 donation to support this podcast at kexp.org backslash sound. Thanks for listening.